and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 160. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing uh, the original series' first season episodes, The City on the Edge of Forever and Operation Annihilate. We're actually going to be finishing out season one today. So, here we go. City on the Edge of Forever, Season 1, Episode 28, Production Code 028, Original Air Date, April 6, 1967, Directed by Joseph Pevney, Written by Harlan Ellison, Music Composed by Fred Steiner, Guest cast include Joan Collins as Edith Keeler, John Harmon as Rodent, Hal Baylor as Policeman, David L. Ross as Lieutenant Galloway, John Winston as Transporter Chief Kyle, Bartell Rue as Voice of the Guardian, Howard Culver as Drunk, and Eddie Paskey as Lieutenant Leslie. Chief Medical Officer McCoy is treating an injured Lieutenant Sulu when the Enterprise is rocked by a distortion, and McCoy accidentally injects himself with an overdose of cortisone. Delusional, he flees from the bridge to the transporter room, beaming himself down to the nearby planet. Captain Kirk leads a landing party to look for McCoy when they come across an ancient glowing stone, which is causing time distortions. The Guardian of Forever explains that it is a doorway to any time and place. While Spock is recording historical images from the portal, McCoy escapes through it into the past. The landing party suddenly loses contact with the Enterprise and is informed by the Guardian that the past has been altered. The ship, along with the entire Federation, no longer exists. We must find out before McCoy arrives. Captain, suppose we discover that in order to set things straight again, Edith Keeler must die. All right, City on the Edge of Forever. I don't think anybody can talk about the original series without talking about the City on the Edge of Forever. Um, this episode, of course, has kind of, I don't know, it's almost become, become legend or something, you know? Hmm. Um, it's uh, it's pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the most thing, amazing thing about it is is uh, how, how well it holds, not only how well it holds up, but how just... How, how it plays even today. Um, I played this one for my spouse. She liked it way more than any of the next-gen episodes I played her. Hmm. And I think it played better for her, too. Somehow, somehow here's, here's what I'm trying to say. I think even, like, next-gen felt more dated to her than City in the Edge Forever does. And it's, and it's a testament to the structure of this episode. And how good it is that it feels so timeless, which I suppose is funny, given it's about time travel. <laughs> um, but that's, of course, not at all what I'm talking about when I say it's timeless. Steve, what are your first thoughts on City on the Edge of Forever? Well, when I first started playing it, I realized, wow, I've seen this a whole lot. <laughs> I knew it like back to front. And I think it's, <laughs> I think it's because I played it for so many people uh, over time. You know, more so than the other episodes. It's as as we've talked about on other series and so forth. It's you know, it's the quintessential go-to episode. I mean, the original go-to episode. You know, where you say, hey, if you're not a big, you know even a big sci-fi person, I guess, or certainly not a big Trek person or whatever, here's what Trek can be. And, you know, watch this. This is awesome. You know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so, um, entertaining and it, it's emotional and it's, 
and it has a message and you know it's just it's one of those rare ones where I watch it and I want to I just want to show other people I just want to like round up people that don't know anything about Trek and and play this for them you know because yeah. I, I get such a kick out of it and it, it is so good you know it's like uh, the, the way we talked about the visitor on DS9 mm-hmm. and Inner Light yeah. on Next Gen yeah Adam your first thoughts here oh yeah it's a it's a definitely a classic classic great episode you know one of the, one of the best star trek you'll ever see um you know and it's it's a simple episode it's really um you know if you boil it down it's really a tragic love story um this episode um you know kirk falls in love and then you know he has to make the sacrifice because if he lets her live then you know you know germany wins and you know everything goes away so it's 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 a simple story and it's it's full of complex emotions which um which is really cool um you don't sometimes get that in sci-fi as you know the complex um emotional dramas um that you get from this um you know i think if the episode would have went on a little bit more you probably would have found um mccoy probably would have fallen in love with her because the character joe crawford plays was was so yeah was so likable and so endearing that you know it was easy to fall in love with this person i mean like i said you know spock might even have fallen in love with her <laughs> if it gone on long enough um like i said and i i, I like the fact that the the episode it, it is simple. It doesn't, you know, except for, you know, the first 10 minutes, you know, when they're on the ship and they go down to the planet. But when they go, you know, when they go back in time, it, it doesn't, it, you don't, it doesn't feel like a, a science fiction um, to me uh, program. It's, you know, it feels like real everyday life, you know, boy meets girl, they walk, they talk, and you can see the chemistry and the romance um, building between them. Um, so, um, like I said, sometimes the simplest stories um, end up being the best ones, and um, this one definitely hits it on all the marks. I love uh, Edith Keeler's. You talked about her, the character. You know, um, her introduction. That's one. There, there's one thing. I, I, like you guys, I've watched this episode so many times. You know, I, I feel like like there wasn't there was never a line that that came out of nowhere for me. You know, it's like I I have it as close as I can get to memorizing it without actually having it memorized. Mm-hmm. But there was one one new thing that I didn't notice before. Again, another great thing about an episode when you've seen it so many times and you can still find new things in it. But uh, the new thing for me this time was was Edith Keeler's introduction as a character. Um, she comes down those steps there, you know, when she finds them uh, in the basement or whatever. Uh, she finds Kirk and Spock. Um, and everything about her character is right there. You see she's strict but empathetic. Um, you know, she's, she wants to help people. She's quick to offer them jobs, but she's not like overly nice or something. Um, she she leaves them with autonomy because the way she helps people, you know, is to help them help themselves. Right. You know, she, so she says like, Mm -hmm. you can start by cleaning up down here and she just turns and leaves, you know, you also see the way Kirk is kind of immediately taken with her. You know, there's a lot in that scene, uh, it's really good. You know, another thing I like about this episode is the um, the main three all have a meaty, a lot to do in this episode. I'm talking McCoy, Spock, and you know, obviously Kirk. Um, I, I would at the end of the day, I would say this is a, you know a Kirk episode, but I mean, you know, there's a lot in here that McCoy has. I mean, you know, and you kind of get to see DeForest acting range. Yeah, he gets to play. Oh it's yeah, kind of crazy. But I mean, you know. I wouldn't say it's all that easy to play somebody crazy, you know, and DeForest Kelly, you know, you know, obviously the makeup helped and everything like that, but you, you know, you can believe that he's going through this, um, drug induced, um, 
craziness. Um, and, and I was just really impressed. And, you know, when, it, you know, and then when he is taken in by um, Crawford's character, you know, you know, his, you know, I don't believe in you, those different lines that, you know, he had is <laughs> this kind of amused me. So I was really impressed with um, um, Kelly in this, in this episode. Yeah. He, he gets, he gets more to do in this episode possibly than in any other that I can think of. I don't know, Steve, I mean, and he's, and he's very good. He totally, totally, you know, steps up to the plate on this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what's so great, great about this too. I mean, yes, we, you know, these, the, the original series episodes are 50 minutes long. So, I mean, you, we got more time to do this than these other series we've covered, but they still pack so much into this um, in the sense that, yes, it's, it's definitely a, a Kirk episode, but somehow, the the other you know Spock and McCoy both are are you know they they can it can only be them you can't just have any old person stuck there like that's often the case when you have like a captain oriented episode it really doesn't make a great deal of difference sometimes who the other characters are and they just fill roles and say lines but uh, this can only be Spock it can only be McCoy you know the way it the way it's written and put together and everything and so that's what that's what's remarkable too is that in that 50 minutes there's so much going on you have a Kirk centered episode you have a a sci-fi concept you have um you know um you know, a, a story to tell, and then a love story, and uh, the conflict, and uh, you know, it's and and it and and the pacing is is just just right for me. I mean, it doesn't ever, nothing feels like it mm. should go away, or it something else needs to go there, or anything like that. It just it just goes. And of course, part of this is I've seen it a million times. So I don't know how <laughs> I can imagine another way, but you know, it's yeah. How often an episode is Spock the comic relief? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he really is. I mean, you know, the lightheartedness, the lighthearted stuff that comes out of this episode is from Spock. You know, the ears, you know, him being frustrated with the the equipment that he has to work with. I mean, you know, so it's it's kind of a kind of reverse. You know, McCoy is usually, you know, the one that's kind of the, you know, gives the comic relief. But to me, it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was Nimoy Spock's character that was kind of the, um, the re- relief valve in this episode that kind of gave you a smile from time to time. I like this idea that, you know, one of the things that makes this episode so good is is the way that that uh, Spock and McCoy are used in, in that yeah it could only be them you know uh, Spock is the only person who could have said to Kirk uh, Edith Keeler must die <laughs> you know he's he, he, he's the only person that could say that and Kirk would listen for one thing but also I you couldn't imagine anyone else saying it and even McCoy like if you imagined someone else if anybody else was the one that got, um, you know, sick and lost or whatever, and they were searching for them, it wouldn't mean the same. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't work the same way. Yeah, you know, there's there's always this analysis out there. I'm sure we've all seen about that 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 the big three and the kind of the id ego super ego kind of deal, and Kirk balancing out the emotional and the in the uh, emotional McCoy and the logical Spock, and and really in this episode maybe just as well as any other original series episode shows that too, you know, because it's almost like you can imagine it's this awful decision you have to make and it's Kirk's, it's Kirk who's going to be making the choice in a, in a, in a way he has to go through this path and uh, fall in love and realize that the person he loves, even though he could save him, he really shouldn't. And you've got both, you got these, they got the war between the emotional side and the logic and the reason side, and he's got to balance it out and make the right choice. And it all comes together right there at the end too. So it's a, that, that's, that's another interesting thing about this. 
What, what a poignant scene there, you know, McCoy going, what have you done? You know, what have you done? Because obviously McCoy doesn't realize at this point what what all has transpired. It's a very yeah, yeah. contrasting, you know, you know, McCoy being horrified at what Jim Curtis did and, you know, Kirk going through all the emotions of, yes, I'm horrified, but I had to do this. And, and you have to wonder with McCoy, because he is who he is and he's a doctor, even if he knew the facts, could he sacrifice somebody, you know, for something like that. And, you know, I don't know about that. Right, you know? well, that's why I was saying only Spock could say Edith Keeler right. must die. Even if, even if McCoy knew it to be true, I'm not sure he could say it. Yes, yes. And then you, and so you end up with this, yeah, with, with McCoy, who would save anybody for anything, you, you know, because you, you, he's just, that's, that's what he is. And he's a doctor, and he's a quintessential healer. And then you have Spock, who can more often than not, you know, objectively, you know, determine, well, for the good the good of the many, we have to do this thing. And then Kirk in the middle, who has to war with those yeah. sides and actually go through this experience, the falling in love and making the tough choice. This is one of those episodes, one of the few times I can imagine, like when they were making it, they had to have known it was good. Mm, you know, most yeah. of the time you hear about, you know, a good episode or a good movie or something. And like, well, we didn't know it was going to be that good or whatever, you know, or that bad, I suppose. But this one, they had to have known. Yeah. So, yeah. Like a second ago, Adam, you were talking about, uh, you know, McCoy, like, do you know what you just did? That scene at the end there, and when 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 Spock delivers the line, he knows, Doctor, he knows. That's the kind of the moment I'm like, I don't. I've, they had to when he's given that line, you mm. gotta know this is good. This is good. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you're, I'm sure when you read the script, it has all. I mean, it has all the elements in there. Like I said, you know, love story, tragedy, you know, drama, you know, even some lightheartedness. So, I mean, I, I would think so. I want I want to spend another second here talking about that ending because. I've always been really taken with kind of the editing and the pacing right there, which is something that you just... I can't think of another instance of the original series or probably of of television prior to the, I don't know, you know, 90s or something, where I I specifically, there there was something so amazing about the pacing and the editing right there. Mm -hmm. You know, the way it's... So you've got Edith Keeler and Kirk far side of the street she says something about they're all happy everything's great Clark, Clark Gable whatever she says something about McCoy the scene you know there's a the scene completely flips right then mm-hmm. McCoy and it's so fast from there to the end but yeah. it's still pacing and it's still ramping up somewhere it's not just like fast it's not just like all fast right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so much happens in the next few seconds <laughs> you go from there to the to you know, he knows, Doctor, he knows. Within like 15, 20 seconds or something. Yeah. Right? It's right. like nothing. But it's, but it doesn't feel cheated. Right. No. It feels it feels like what they did made it 10 times more exciting. Nothing mm-hmm. less. You know? It's it's really, really, really good. And it's really, um, it really feels ahead of, its, ahead of its time, even now when I'm watching it. Because it feels so unlike anything else editing-wise uh, from the entire original series to me. Yeah, and and they do and they do kind of some unusual things in this episode, which more often than not, that's going to bite you in our bad choices when you're trying to tell a you know a really solid story. But you've got those those parts with some strange slow motion stuff going on in this episode. You've got yeah. some like optical zoom things or whatever. They hardly do that kind of stuff ever in the series, but but everything is just perfect for this. You know, somehow it all just came together. So how would you? I mean, I think when I was thinking about it, um, I I, don't, I think to me the visitor comes closest to this because um you know not too often do you have where there's where you have a feeling of loss after an episode after you watch an episode of star trek you know i think the visitor even though even though you know jake ends up you know 
getting his father back and everything like that, you still kind of feel, I still kind of felt a loss after that episode. And that's how I feel after this one. I think to me, the, this episode and that episode are best comparable to each other. I mean, you know, I know there's plenty of other great episodes. Well, in we're talking about, when we talk about inner light as well, you know, all three of these, what makes them one of the many things that make them work so well, what you're talking about there though, you know, that sense of, of loss. And I don't think you need to know the shows or the characters to get it. Right. You know, in, in, uh, the visitor, it's, it's a, a, a boy and his father. And, and that comes through in a way that if you don't know the show at all, you know, that relationship, uh, inner light, it comes through because he's got, you know, he's living out this entire life. I think even if you don't know Picard, even if you don't know the show, that comes through. Yeah, you can watch it. Um, Sit in the Edge of Forever. It's this. It's this love story. And if you, if you only know the most cursory information about Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and the Enterprise, I still think this episode works. And you feel that sense of loss when she dies, uh, and you feel Kirk's pain. Uh, even if you don't know the show or his character that well. Kirk didn't have a good couple of weeks here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He didn't seem that upset about his brother. We'll get to that. That is odd, yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's what's interesting. It seems inevitable you, these, those three episodes, you kind of like, put together in some way because of the way they do but in, yet in their each in their their they're each their own thing too in a way you know and i mean they're they're related somehow because of what they convey but they the, that's that the emotional impact and and kind of what it brings to the viewer they each are a little different in that in that way because you sure. you relate there's there's a different reason that you feel emotional i think with each of these kinds of things and i think i, I don't know it's hard that'd be a whole other probably talk two hours on comparing those three <laughs> to each other but you know after seeing this i mean i i can say that it's hard to beat the balance in this episode how how well it just feels like it's just it's this packaged thing that just has it all you know you have all, all of these things you it's it's you know you don't have to be a trek fan to appreciate it but if you are you're going to enjoy some other things because of how well they use the characters and uh you know somehow they they uh, pack in a little bit of uh comic relief and some action and you know and i don't, I don't know it's 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 a very very special episode what's it about Making a sacrifice, well, I mean, you know, in the simplest terms, sacrificing for the greater good. I mean, you can definitely go deeper than that. Um, you know, almost making the ultimate sacrifice for the greater good, you know. Um, Steve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, 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 um, yeah, it's definitely sacrifice. It's, it, it's hard to, some of this is hard to put into words. But, I mean, sacrifice is the first thing that comes to, comes yeah to one's mind I guess about this but it's it's also this kind of fatalistic thing too it, it's it's a strange uh, juncture where there's this notion of inevitability to something where you feel like this is m how it must be yet we also have choices and uh and we must make sacrifices to to get done what we know is to be is right and and yeah it's it's well, interesting it's so important at the end of this episode that Kirk is is obviously making a choice. Nobody's yeah. holding him back. Right. He's making the choice to let her die. Yeah. It's it's incredibly painful for him, but he is making that choice. I think if he if it was written differently or played differently, and, and that wasn't the case, mm -hmm. uh, it, it would it would 
really spoiled the episode for me. Yeah. But everything you, you're saying is what it's about. It, it works because he's he is making that choice, even though it even though there's this sense of inevitability. Yeah, that's kind of what makes this, the episode a little bit more special because he has to make that because he could save her. I mean, it would be different if she if he had nothing to do. You know, if she just he wasn't didn't have she just died and he couldn't have done anything to stop it. So it, I guess that kind of gives that extra emotional jolt to this where and and you know as we spoke of how well they use Spock and McCoy too I think there's something special with that the way that it ends in the in the past um they're all there together in that moment and that's something that's unique amongst these oh, yeah. these special kind of episodes where they are where we think of the big 3 and and they all are playing a part and all together in that you know special moment where that that sacrifice has to be made even though it's Kirk's call they're all they're all playing a role there you know, I, I've talked about that I, I'm pretty sure Doomsday Machine is my favorite episode of the original series. I do think that's a different question than what's the best episode of the original series. Mm. I, right. I think it's pretty it's pretty hard to argue about anything other than City on the Edge of Forever being the best episode of the original series. Yeah. Doomsday is incredibly not. entertaining. Yeah, yeah. But this episode is, I mean, it's as perfect as you can make it an, an episode of television it's pretty damn good all right let's do six degrees for city on the edge of forever adam yes john Harmon plays rodent the guy that accidentally disintegrates himself that's a that's what you call a bad day yeah i think uh he next appears as a gangster named teppo in the second season name the episode um i have no idea Bad with episodes. He was giving me the episode. <laughs> I thought that was, uh, yeah. All right, Steve? Uh, piece of the action? Yes. Uh, Bart LaRue provides the voice for the Guardian of Forever. We last heard him as Trelane's father a few episodes back. Name that episode. Oh, uh, Squire of Gothos. You are correct. Steve has two. We are moving on. Operation Annihilate, Season 1, Episode 29, Production Code 029, Original Air Date, April 13, 1967, Directed by Herschel Doherty, Written by Stephen W. Carbotson, Music Composed by Alexander Courage, Guest Cast Include Joan Swift as Aurelin Kirk, Craig Hundley as Peter Kirk, Dave Armstrong as Cartan, Marishka as Yeoman Zara, Fred Carson as First Denovan, Jerry Catron as Second Denovan, and Eddie Paskey as Lieutenant Leslie. <laughs> The Enterprise is tracking a path of mass insanity that has gripped several planets in its wake, causing a collapse of their civilizations. They approach Devonan, a Federation outpost where Captain Kirk's brother Sam has been stationed along with his wife, Alurian, and son Peter. On entering the system, they witness a ship directly dive into the local sun, its pilot raving incoherently about being free up until its destruction, and the Enterprise crew that they may be too late for this colony. It's bright. It radiates a blinding light if you're close enough. Nothing leaves out about light. Not to us. But down on the surface, the creatures stayed in the shadows for the most part. Suppose that they weren't simply hiding. Suppose they're sensitive to light. Light like in a sun, close up. Operation Annihilate. I think this is the only time I've ever written in my notes, satellites send signal that makes fake vomit disappear. (laughs) (laughs) I don't recall writing that uh, in a previous uh, episode, but I might just be forgetting. I I, I like how they cover themselves up. There's that line from um, one of the the red shirt girls down there. She's like, they don't even look real. (laughs) 
<laughs> hang, hang a lamp on it. That's what they call that. Hang a lamp on it. Uh, Adam, why don't you start us off on Operation Annihilate? Operation Annihilate. You know, um, I thought it was a pretty good episode, honestly. Um, you know, I've, you know, there's the obvious things. You know, we just get out of the city of the city on the edge of forever, and then we jump into this episode, and you know, Kirk's brother Sam has has died, and then you know, his sister-in-law dies, which I thought was a pretty good scene there with Kirk. I mean, I know you, we were talking about in the last when we were talking a minute ago that Kirk didn't seem that too upset about his um his brother dying, but I kind of felt like he was pretty upset after after his sister-in-law had had died. I um, mean, you know, that scene was pretty good, you know, when she was dying. I thought it was a pretty emotional scene for Kirk. You know, if you, I was just, I was watching, I was watching Shatner with his reactions and, you know, he was holding her hand and um, um, it was subtle because most of the attention is on her and McCoy trying to treat her. But I, I kind of went back and I just watched what um, Shatner was doing during that scene. And um, I think it, I, I, I think it's hard to come off the last episode and then, you know, where you're going through all, you know, it's very apparent. And then you come into this episode, you know, there's no, there's no backstory to Sam Kirk or there's no, we don't know what their relationship is. So it's kind of hard to feel that emotional connection to his brother other than the fact that, Oh, your brother just died. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how they could have worked that in better or not, but um, I, I, I like the episode. I, I thought it was a good, Spock, I don't know, would you say this is more of a Spock episode or a Kirk episode? They're all Kirk episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't really understand. I didn't even feel like it necessarily needs to be his brother or sister-in-law or anything like that. It's kind of, that seems kind of arbitrary how they treat it because he's just, I mean, yeah, he's, the the scene with the sister-in-law is better than the brother. I mean, you, right. there's something going on there, but otherwise it just feels like they could be just some friends or they could have changed it all together. I guess they have to, that's just part of this, that they want to put some kind of thing. But then in, in a sense, they don't go far enough with that. You know, it's almost like he's, you know, uh, going to get, get obsessed with the whole thing and let's do it. But it never quite tips into that territory enough for, um, in a sense, it just kind of middle of the road where he's like, we got to, we got to destroy these scabs or fake vomits or whatever these are and stuff and but then uh it just doesn't i don't know i mean it, it's definitely it's a consequences and it feels important and all and then then spot gets infected and stuff too but uh i don't know it's hard it's hard it's it coming off of city on the edge fair and everything but it's yeah it's, it's kind of you know i mean i think it's fine i like it fine i don't think it's awful or something yeah i feel like this episode has a lot of cool ideas and it never it and for the most part, it doesn't quite work for me. Um, like killing his brother should have been a big, a, a much bigger deal. Mm-hmm. It, it does seem pointless. I mean, they don't even take advantage. They don't even do anything with the nephew. Um, Kirk talks his sister-in-law to death, <laughs> I guess, but mm. literally. But like he said, it could it could have been anybody. So I mean, that that hurts it for me. There's so much stuff that feels like filler. I don't hate this episode. I mean, it's fine. It has a couple of scenes that I remember from the entire show, uh, from the entire series run. So, that I mean, it's worth something. I'm not trying to totally bag on it. But, um, for example, when Spock, like, leaves sickbay and he tries to leave via the transporter room. So he, like, goes in there, and then he, like, hits crew people, mm-hmm. and then Scott pulls a phaser on him and calls Kirk down, 
And then Spock says, like, no, really, I should go. And then Kirk says, well, okay, go ahead and beam down. And it's like, this whole sequence seems so pointless. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like... Well, the first scene when he when he's in the bridge trying to take over the ship, that was a good scene. Hmm. I thought... Kirk wants to put Spock in for the test, and Spock agrees, and then... I, in my notes, I wrote, McCoy is hesitant, but then he agrees to give Spock light, and I'm bored writing that. <laughs> That's what I put in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I had down on there was like so um you know because they said well, let let me fix you some goggles and he's like well they won't have them down on the planet so I'm like, so I'm thinking I had written down so so that means you should be blind like everybody else on the planet <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the end so, was, the, that end scene was kind of weird um it seemed kind of unnecessary so there's a lot of in in like one off interesting ideas like killing his brother that heck meeting his brother would have been cool. But, you know, uh, that could have been an entire episode, right? Um, that should have meant more. I guess when I when I said earlier, if I didn't know if this was like a Kirk episode or a Spock episode, because it seemed like the first half was more about Kirk, yeah. and the second half was more about Spock. So it kind of had kind of an uneven feeling about it. So it sounds like um, Adam really liked it. I said I liked it. I didn't say I really liked was, it. Okay, so Adam liked it. <laughs> Steve was okay with it, and I didn't care for it. <laughs> 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 has that has that ever happened in the years we've been doing this podcast? That's funny. <laughs> That's really funny to me. <laughs> oh. No, I, I I still remember the fake vomit flying through the air and getting hitting um Spock's back. Oh, you know what? It's probably because of that. Remember the blooper reel? Wasn't there something with the blooper reel where that little thing was flying around? Yeah. I don't know. I I do always remember that. I think the favorite part of my favorite part of this episode is their sound effects, the sounds they make. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's all kind of gross, really. Yeah. But yeah, my definitely my favorite line of the of the this episode is like they don't even look real. Like I wonder if they came up with that on the day of. They're like, man, crap. Have somebody say they don't look real. Well, even that, you know, okay, Spock's, Spock's, I'm also quite blind. Shouldn't that have been a big deal? I mean, that should have been a big thing. That's like Kirk's brother dying, right? Mm-hmm. And that should have been a big thing. That could have been an entire episode, mm-hmm. right? But it's it's so, like, thrown away, and then, like, the very next scene, oh, he's actually fine. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thank God that Vulcans have inner eyelids. Yeah. To protect them from mm-hmm. high-intensity sunlight. Well, I guess what kind of stood out to me, you know, so like, you know, to, I had this written down. So Spock and McCoy and like the whole ship, they're doing all of these tests for, it seems like hours upon hours upon hours. And at the last minute, it's, it's Kirk who finally, did anybody think to test the light? It just seems, <laughs> seems kind of silly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, yeah, light. <laughs> yeah. We didn't think of that. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of the first look. If you look at the sun, that's the first thing you think of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure it makes this l- much less palatable that, that you're you're this is coming right off city on the on the edge forever. Yeah, and it's uh, it's probably unfortunate that I don't know would it have made much of a difference if city had been the last episode of the season? Probably not, but. Um, so the, I mean, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's fine. This episode, it's not bad. I don't think it's bad. It just has 
That's flaws. It could have been better. It doesn't click for me. Yeah, that doesn't quite come together and make sense. Well, I guess what you were saying, you know, there's a lot of lost opportunities here with what mm-hmm. you said about, you know, Sam Kirk and... It's more like, yeah, like somebody's just throwing out all these cool ideas and instead of saying, okay, cool, that's like five different episodes. Let's just, they're like, no, we're going to put them all in one because <laughs> this is the end of the season and they're probably going to cancel us. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, famously, if uh, people and, and our listeners can, can look this up, but there's Stay in the Edge Forever written by Harlan Ellison, but rewritten so much that all that's really left is his basic story, um, although he's still the only one credited. But, you know, his original script there was so different, and it went through so many iterations. Um, I would be surprised if there was that many, if there were that many revisions on Operation Annihilate. Gentlemen, what is this episode about? Mm. <laughs> My, my favorite Steve reaction. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Can mean anything. I like the new effects with the little satellites. Yeah, satellites. that was cool. That, that was very cool. Yeah. And that's probably what it's about then. Yeah. About sunlight. It's about satellites. Because sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta go blind if you wanna see the light. Rid the <laughs> in your system. Okay. All right. Well, by the standards of our show, if we don't have anything for what it's about, if it doesn't have any deeper meaning, if it's not trying to be about something, then it's an episode that doesn't hold up and isn't one of the better episodes. That's what you gentlemen are telling me. Yes. Are you? Yeah, I think so. Are you trying to tell me that sitting on the edge forever is a superior episode to Operation Annihilate? Yes. Possibly so. Yes. All right. Unless you want to disagree, I mean, you're welcome to. Who am I? to argue with the captain of the Enterprise. All right. Uh, Let's do six degrees for Operation Annihilate. I believe Steve has two. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Craig Hundley plays Peter Kirk, Jim's little nephew. We will next see him play Tommy Starnes in the episode And the Children Shall Lead in which season of the original series? Is that third? Yes. Famous for being so terrible, and it's the one with the lawyer at the end. Mm. Uh, and if the episode is that bad, it probably <laughs> means it's season three. <laughs> Adam, Fred Carson plays the first Denovan to rush the Enterprise crew. He will next play a morgue creature in an episode where Spock misplaces an important item in the third season. Name the episode. I have no idea. He misplaces... It's an important organ... In the body. Spock's brain? Thank you, Spock's brain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will probably, get, yeah, just, I mean, I'm sure if anybody's been listening to this podcast over the years, it's like I will probably get like less than 5% of the episode questions right. Three of my four questions were episode titles. That wasn't very fair. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I should, I should, hey, bone, you still up, got an I should bone up on my episodes. You got an episode say. title. Yeah. Look at that. Um, so, a 60 second recap of. The original series season one. Wow, that's pretty good, this show. I think that it's probably going to stick around, this Star Trek thing. <laughs> For at least a couple more years, right? Yeah. There's so many fantastic episodes and so much good stuff here, and it's all created whole cloth, and I mean, this is, yeah, this is this is what started it all for a reason, and there's a reason that we're still talking about this stuff 50 years later. 
I don't think we really need to go into it any more than that. <laughs> I don't even feel the need to like go down individual episodes like we would normally do, unless you guys want to do that. Well, I mean, the original series so much it's it's structurally it's different from the you know the other Trek episodes where seasons were kind of set. You know, there was you know there was a series arc and then there was a season arc. You know, the original series has no arcs to speak of. So I mean, and there's fewer. You know, I mean, basically, it's the three characters. It's Spock and McCoy and Kirk, you know, whereas in the other series, you know, there was a lot more development in, say, Riker or Troy or, you know, that kind of thing. So we could actually talk about how Riker developed during the season or how um, Kieran Arise developed in this particular season. But it's kind of hard to do that in, in this series because, you know, the the the... the other characters are kind of the same the whole way through. Well, that's certainly you can certainly say that by the end of this season they really have developed this this concept of that triumvirate, like we were talking about this trio. Right. Uh, so much so that I I'm pretty sure when season two starts, D. Kelly is going to get a you know front credit, right? Doesn't yeah. he? Is yeah. he gets it? I believe that's right. Uh, so I mean that's probably the if there's anything that happened organically throughout the season. Uh, that maybe they did not anticipate that would have been it. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to the next season. Mm -hmm. Hey, real quick. um, You guys saw they delayed Discovery again? Yeah. And this time they're not even putting a date on it? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, as we record this, today was supposed to be the first day of shooting. I didn't look that up to see if they really started, but Hmm. I believe today was supposed to be... Have they even got their lead cast yet? I don't. I uh, yeah, it's that actress from Walking Dead, and I cannot remember her name. Um, don't worry, we'll all have all their names memorized soon yeah. enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, she's she's good on on Walking Dead. Okay. Hopefully, they get it out by the summer, but it's definitely not going to be May. I'm still very excited. Still very excited. Uh, they did they did uh, c- cast the first character that we know of. That's you know a pre-existing character. Uh, Sarek is in the show. And they cast that actor from Gotham. I can't remember his name either. <laughs> so we know Sarek is uh, regular on the show. So that's something. But that's uh, that's about it. So more to come, right? Cool. More to come. All right, gentlemen. Um, thank you for uh, talking Star Trek with me for an hour. And listeners, thank you for listening to us talk about Star Trek for an hour. You can follow us on Facebook. That's Facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Our Twitter handle is at Trek Companion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. You can leave a review on iTunes. That's how people find us. That is awesome. If you have a minute to do that, we appreciate it. And uh, until next time, folks, thanks again and take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.